Have you ever wondered what it's like to experience one of the oldest rainforests as a blind person? Or how it feels to get around one of the seven wonders of the world with mobility issues? You're listening to Accessed That, a podcast that explores what it's really like to travel as a person with a disability, like me. I'm Carney Liddell. And I'm Oliver Hunter. Each episode, we send a travel lover on an adventure around Queensland, and then we get them in the studio to have a chat. We ask them what it's like for them to navigate the world, hearing the highs, the lows, and the lowdown from people who have been there, access that. This podcast is presented by Queensland. Before we get going, we'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording and the country we love to travel. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. And I would especially like to pay my respects to the First Nations people living with a disability. Well, hello, Carney. G'day, mate. We're back. We're back. Another uh, great guest on uh, Access That, Julie Jones. And uh, Julie, if you don't know who Julie is, she is a, a travel writer. She is the founder of a travel magazine. And it's also the mother of a uh, uh, son with cerebral palsy, uh, Brayden. I call mothers of children with disabilities, like my mum, Warrior Mama, because they're often on fight mode. For most of our childhood, but most of us kids, if we're lucky enough to have good parents, we don't even know we have a disability until we have to start the fight ourselves later on in life. And Julie is definitely that and more because she advocates for all of us people with disabilities. Yeah, and I, I was amazing to hear what uh, the family, her family have, have gone through both in day-to-day life, but also, you know, really embracing the travel and, and making sure Braden was included. And I think the other fascinating point for me was Braden has cerebral palsy like I have cerebral palsy. So on paper, we have the same condition. But I also like to say that cerebral palsy is a massive umbrella. So even though we're the same on paper, we have very different needs. And it was just very interesting to me and I hope to everyone else that what needs Braden uh, required to make sure he had a great time on any travel that they do as a family. Absolutely. But you'll hear it all from Julie. She speaks about it way better than we do. Yes, exactly right. Enjoy the chat with Julie. Thanks for joining us, Julie, uh, on another episode of Access That. For those who don't know you, our listeners that haven't uh, heard about you before, can you would you mind introducing yourself for us? Sure. Well, I am the founder of Have Wheelchair Will Travel and also the co-founder of Travel Without Limits magazine, which is the first and only disability-specific travel magazine printed in Australia, which is super exciting. And most importantly, I am mum to Brayden, who lives with cerebral palsy, is a wheelchair user and is non-verbal, and my beautiful daughter, Amelia. Oh, you're a legend. I follow you, obviously. I don't know if you know that, but I've always followed you. And I just want to say as a as a mum as well to a six-year-old boy, um, I love to call my mum a warrior mum and I believe you are also a warrior mum just by following you and how you've not just advocated for your incredible son but just, I guess, how you talk about disability and talk about everything so openly. I just want to thank you. Oh, that's so sweet to hear. I try really hard not to just show the highlight reel. I really do want people to know that, yep, we get the great holidays and we do things and we do our best, but also that there are many challenges along the way and just showing people, I guess, how we try and work as a team to get around them. 
So let's talk about where you he likes to travel first and then where you like to travel as a family. Braden loves travel and because he's non-verbal, travel really provides him with something that he can't get day to day. So when you're sharing an experience, say you're on a whale watching trip or something like that, then everyone's sort of all looking at the same thing. They're all experiencing similar emotions. So it gives people that icebreaker to talk to him. And I just find people are much more open and less concerned about how to approach somebody who's nonverbal when they're doing shared experiences. So our first trip was to, our big overseas trip was to Disneyland. We'd done smaller ones to New Zealand, but our big one was to Disneyland. And that was really the impetus for me to start Have Wheelchair, We'll Travel the Blog, because it felt like we were the first people to ever travel with somebody with a disability. There was just no. <laughs> I feel like that every week. I know. I kept saying to my husband, <laughs> "We can't be the pe- first people to ever do this," but that's exactly how it felt. So when we came back, I really just wanted to share with other people how they could do it, what we did, and give them the information. Because as an ex-travel consultant, I had the research skills, um, and I just felt like I needed a platform to share it with others. So let's break it down with the wheelchair situation with travelling because we want people to really understand the process involved. Start at the booking of the flight. Let's start there. So I always say to people, communication is key from the very minute you book. And so we give the airline all the dimensions of Braden's wheelchair and we make sure they know that we want the wheelchair taken to the door of the aircraft and we're not going to use any aisle chairs or anything else. And then when we get to the airport, again, communicate, 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 get there nice and early, tell them what we're doing. We take off any removable parts. So we take off, he's got like arm rests. We take those off, pack them in our bag. When we get to the door of the aircraft, we're like this well-oiled machine. My daughter gets the seat cushion, do up the lap belt and off we go. And let's talk about the times that that didn't go so well, even with the best communication skills in the world. I would say, touch wood, we have been exceptionally lucky. So the biggest downside we have had is the wheelchair not being brought to the door of the aircraft on landing at a destination. Uh, And Brayden's quite uncomfortable. There's often not a lap belt and he's used to having a lap belt, so it's quite dangerous for him. His feet dangle if the airline wheelchair they provide has only got foot plates instead of what he's used to. On our last flight, I just kept saying to the, the flight attendants, can you please get the captain to radio ahead and we had the um, wheelchair to the door of the aircraft, which was great. Yeah, so I've had experiences and you might as well, Carney, where I've told them several that over-communicate to the point where the flight crew have been a little bit frustrated with me. I said, can you please let them know I need the chair at the door? Yes, we will. Six more times. We've told you that we've told them and then you land and you're, oh, that's no, a baggage claim. But you're like, oh. Well, that's not what I asked for, but at th- that time I was lucky I had my brother with me, so we are able to make it work. Well, I mean, let's be honest, it's better than when they say to you that your wheelchair's in New Zealand. Yes, I, I am forced. And you're in Sydney. I haven't had that where my chair hasn't ended up. <laughs> or with, Amsterdam. Yeah. I went to Amsterdam and I went to Hawaii. Yeah, that's. We now have an air tag in Braden's wheelchair yes, that yeah. we put in it yes. and we track it. When you say Braden's um, non-verbal, how can he communicate? Uh, He communicates a lot through gesturing, through picture exchange, so picture symbols that he can choose what he wants and what he doesn't want, lots of physical choosing. Um, He's very, he's 
he's very uh, transparent with his emotions, let's just say. <laughs> he's uh, super excitable, treats everyone like a rock star. So he's he's very popular. Everyone in Sydney knows him, uh, which is really lovely for him. So he really sort of almost demands a sense of community around him and travel has really given him that, which is lovely. When you first started travelling, Julie, how old was like, when did you first bite that bullet to, to start the travel journey? I think uh, I was a mother possessed with early intervention because I was told that would be key to helping him with his cerebral palsy. So we're on this, you know, total regime of therapy. And one of the therapists eventually said to me, you know, it's okay to have a break. And she said, sometimes kids consolidate what they're learning in therapy. So we started just doing domestic trips. And that was a really great way of us working out what made a good holiday for us, what equipment we needed, what we could do without. So that was start and then we took a cruise I was working in the travel industry and we were offered a cruise for some ridiculous price so we went on a cruise and that was fantastic Brendan loved it uh so that was to the South Pacific and then from there we sort of just kept I guess dipping our toes deeper and deeper in the water we went to New Zealand did time there and until my son was seven my husband Mark carried him in a back carrier so we were able to get to the top of Gunlom Falls in Kakadu. We are able to get into the glowworm caves in New Zealand with my husband crawling through and wow. um, do different climbs and things in Mount Cook. And we were just quite determined. But I was pregnant by then with Amelia. And I guess the combination of having another child and Braden getting quite heavy in my husband's back yeah. <laughs> really starting to feel the pain meant that we needed to accept the fact that travel would now um, be part of, well, a wheelchair would be part of our travels and we had to start adjusting to what that looked like. Yeah, my dad went through the same thing. I got to the point I would have been about eight or nine, might have been ten even, and he finally looked at me and went, you're, I can't do that anymore, you're too big. And, um, yeah, at one point he said, you're bigger than me. Um, so I don't need that on that stress on my body. So we had to really work it out as well and factor the chair and that accessibility into our travel too. So, um, yeah, and I guess that's what, what I like to talk to people about is the fact that, you know, as parents we were prepared to do all those things and I guess as you and Ollie are, are sort of so keen to embrace all the opportunities that we need everyone else to step it up and to meet us because if we're prepared to put in the effort, then you know, just meet us part way and provide the accessibility and the information. Absolutely. And also now I think hopefully we know that there are so many great pieces of equipment for kids. You know, I was the same. I was carried around by my parents and father up and down snow, you know, everything you can imagine. I think my, that's the reason my dad can barely walk at 70 even though he can ride very well, but he can barely walk. <laughs> just don't tell him that I may be the reason. But you know, we can. There's so many amazing pieces of equipment which we did, which weren't available to us back in the day. And NDIS, with all its problems, has many positives is that we can now afford it as well. Yes. Well, we've used beach wheelchairs, trail riders with Brayden. We also travel with different bits and pieces that will help us adapt situations. But there is definitely a lot more out there. And it was sort of just at the point where we were sort of pulling a manual wheelchair across the beach in soft sand that was nearly impossible yeah. that the beach <laughs> wheelchairs became available. So it was very good timing for us as a family. I think Brayden and I are the same age. You said he's 28. So I'm yes. 28 as well. So I feel like our families probably had a very 
mirrored yes. experience in terms of the generation of the of things sort of improving and, and beach wheelchairs were, were sort of a lifesaver for my family because before that it was just if there was a lifeguard service they would get there they might be able to get their buggy to me and whip me down on the sand but then I'd be stuck on the sand yes that's right like, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'd have to crawl to the to the water and do that but then you know it would be lifting up again but yeah the beach wheelchairs do you own any of your equipment this sort of stuff Julia or is it all higher as you go we were very kindly gifted several years ago a beach wheelchair so yep. we travel with a beach wheelchair yeah I do often yeah. yeah we do which really opened up opportunities for us because we were finding that if we were staying places where they had those facilities, this is several years ago when they weren't as common, mm. we were paying a lot more for accommodation, whereas we could stay somewhere with our own equipment that was not as mainstream, so a smaller town where we wouldn't pay as much and we could access the beach whenever we want. I mean, sometimes you want to go to the beach for a sunset walk and the lifeguards aren't on. So, yeah. you know, it limits the hours you know, some places only have them available nine to one on a Sunday. Well, tough if you get there at 2.30 and you really want to go for a nice dip in the water. <laughs> yeah. It may be midwinter, but we would have no idea of it because we're in shorts and T-shirts and had a fabulous afternoon at Four Mile Beach. They have a ramp and beach matting and a beach wheelchair to borrow. So we wandered up quite a long way along the beach under the swaying palms. Braden loves playing soccer normally but didn't have a soccer ball so he grabbed a coconut instead and managed to kick a coconut along the beach and had a wonderful afternoon. You said some obviously very positive places. You like to travel. He likes to travel. Where did you go in Queensland? Uh, we had a fantastic trip to Queensland. We've actually been to tropical North Queensland a few times. So this time our brief was we love doing the Coranda Sky Rail and we love doing different things. We've been to Fitzroy and Green Island and all those places before. So we really wow. wanted to do somewhere that was different. Uh, so... Braden's a bit of an adventure seeker and he was celebrating his birthday when we were there. So we started off the trip with a morning at Rainforest Station where we got to keep a talk on the koalas and got to cuddle the koalas, which was very lovely. And Katie the koala was particularly enamoured of having cuddles, which was gorgeous to see. (laughs) It did not seem like it was a chore to her at all. And we did some boomerang throwing and we watched spear throwing and it was a very sort of Australian experience, but it was lovely. And then we went to Kirkow, Barnwell Farm, which is where we did uh, some cattle mustering. Braden and I went in a buggy and Amelia and my husband Mark went on ATVs and we mustered cattle, which was really fun. And I feel like all my years of watching McLeod's Daughters paid off and I was a, <laughs> a gun at it, which was really exciting. And um, so that was our day. We had a sunset dinner there, which was beautiful with all the farm and it's, it's gorgeous. It's probably not what people think of when they go to Cairns. They're probably always thinking reef, but it was in the mm. lands, so it was beautiful near Coranda. And then on Braden's birthday we went on a helicopter trip and we watched, well, we saw all the the reef because Braden can't snorkel. So for him to do a two-hour yeah. trip out on a boat to the reef is a little pointless you know, he'd just be swimming like he'd be swimming anywhere else. So helicopter trip really gives him a good overview without the effort and without sort of two hours in the 
the boat. Uh, so that was great. And then we did a barbecue boat hire on Trinity Inlet and we didn't see any crocodiles, which was probably a good thing. Even though we had the barbecue going, I thought the smell of the burgers and the sausages might bring them out, but it did not. Brought out a few mosquitoes when we went into a quiet spot. <laughs> um, they can be more deadly. Yeah. <laughs> so was it an accessible boat, that one? Yes. Yes. So it was, which was great. And how did you get on the helicopter? Helicopters are always a challenge because there's that big mm. step up. So my husband, yeah. Mark, has to kind of lift Braden up into the helicopter. So helicopters are a challenge but less of a challenge for Braden than two hours in a boat out to the reef. That would be similar for me. I, the only time I've been in a helicopter, I didn't have to land and get out because I skydived out. So, oh, no, no. Uh, yeah. Well, that's a but, good way to get out without your wheelchair. Yeah, getting in the helicopter, I was just thrown in by the by my my friends and the the instructor, and then um, they said, uh, "Yeah, well, they said, well, we don't have to worry about taking a chair because uh, yeah, we're we're diving out of the plane." <laughs> it has been such a special way to spend Braden's birthday. The smile has not left his dial the whole day doing a helicopter flight over Green Island and the Barrier Reef is just absolutely spectacular. Weather is gorgeous. The water is just the most fabulous turquoise blue. We saw a whale with a calf playing in the water and why wouldn't they be happy? It was just absolutely wonderful to see and even a shark. So it was a pretty good morning on the helicopter tour. Just to backtrack a little bit, talking about um, your blog and your magazine, was there a, a trip where you decided to start it? Or was it inspired by a particular experience? I think our Disneyland trip, we actually won the trip to Disneyland in 2011 and it seemed like such a magical thing, one, to win a trip to Disneyland. It's the way that so many parents sort of dream of taking their children. And the company that we won it through were just beautiful as far as we understand you've got access needs this is the budget we have throw the itinerary out and let's just book what suits you and so that was a really positive experience and probably one of our first experience of somebody saying what do you need to make this an accessible trip for you so it started off on a really good note from that point and then when we went there I'd researched everything from like where the entry was what the hotels were I'd called hotels I'd done everything and it honestly was the most seamless trip the you know, 15 hours in the plane was a challenge for Braden because he's such an on-the-go guy that's sitting still on a plane. It doesn't feel like you're going anywhere. In a car you can see you've got, you know, things going past. And But for him that was really boring and really tiresome and, and challenging for us with the tiny bathrooms and two of us trying to assist him. But that trip was definitely the impetus for starting the, the website. And then over time... I guess my desire was that there was more information in mainstream media and I wasn't seeing it. I, everything I saw made me feel more isolated because you'd see families of four hiking a mountain and you'd see <laughs> people walking along the beach without getting stuck mm -hmm. in the sand, all those sorts of things. So then I started wanting to write for mainstream magazines. So there was some representation of people with a disability, some representation of families like us. And then over time that became the magazine. But the magazine, again, I feel like I'm one voice telling one story. Like each one of us is, is touched by disability, but each one of us has very different needs. And the same with people with a hearing impairment, people who are blind. So the magazine is very much 
encompasses all disabilities and abilities and the services that can help somebody with autism if they have a sensory bag or sensory accommodations or maps and so it's really about amplifying many voices to share stories and not just having sort of one voice telling a story now. And in Disneyland they have a wheelchair line which we've now discovered America in general is actually quite accessible. Well, I find the US an amazing destination to travel to because of the Americans with Disability Act mm. that was brought in a long time ago. Yes. And it needs updating. Yeah, in the 90s. My American readers definitely say, oh, you've got this in Australia and we don't have that. So if we could all combine and have best practice, that would be the best case scenario. But I do think people often ask me, where's the most accessible destination? And I'll say, the US physically, mm-hmm. but we had an amazing adventures in Fiji because of the inclusive attitude oh, of the Fijians. Yes. Yeah. Bulla, bulla, bulla. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, I think we've, we've brought it up before on a previous episode, Carney, but I, I had the same experience last year in Fiji where I was like, oh, is, is that boat trip accessible or is the island accessible? And they're like, oh, yeah, the staff's very friendly. They'll help, they'll help you. And I'm like, oh, I appreciate that. But like, I think that for but me. But they do, was, though. Yeah, they did. And but for me, it was like, oh, but. That physical access is sort of what what I was concerned about. No, no, no. Well, you know, we'll figure it out. And to that attitude for me was that then that involved a a Fijian man about five foot six just carrying me up the sand. (laughs) And I'm, you know, I'm probably, you know, I'm good 90 kilos, especially soaking wet. And this dude, this this single guy on his own just picked me up and my dad watched in disbelief, but it was, uh, and he, he just kept saying Fiji power. That was his, uh, that was his go-to line because he just. It's he, the carver, mate. Yeah. Something about <laughs> Fiji and man, they, they, they lifted me up and they did their thing. So it's an amazing, amazing country too, Fiji. Getting back to Cairns, what was the highlight for you all? We were talking about this at the end of the trip because we always do the rounds of what was your favourite thing. I think the mm. mustering of the cattle was lovely because we could all do it together and it was an action-based activity which I think is nice so it was it wasn't passive so Brayden was just riding along with my husband and my daughter in a different way but we're all doing it together the helicopter you can't beat the views from the helicopter but my favorite um wildlife park in all of Australia is in Port Douglas and that's wildlife habitat Mm. and we've been to many many places but we did a a tour of wildlife habitat and the staff there are just so enthusiastic the keepers and the animals there there's just such a variety of bird life and reptiles and we had one of the black cockatoos following us when we came into the aviary and you can just see they're happy and and engaged as animals and I think that's really lovely to see when they're in enclosures. Um, and that place we've been to previously and they just keep getting better and better. So that was definitely a highlight too. Is that the place they've just made the bird cage thing accessible where you can actually wheel up all the way around? Yeah. Is that finished now? Yes. Yeah. <gasps> Beautiful. Oh, I'll have to take my son up there. Yeah. So I went there as they were making it. Right. Yes. So it works. Yes. It's accessible. It works. Yep. So for Braden and, and his accessibility, because uh, I've got CP as well, but I, I like to say it's a it's a massive umbrella for a disability. So I yeah. I have cerebral palsy, and we but we technically have the same disability, Braden and I. And as I said, we're the same age, so you, people might look at us and go, "Oh, we are the same. The accessibility needs are the same." 
but what what are some of the sort of specific things you need to look out for when you when you plan the travel and has that changed as he's gotten older uh, I guess we're conscious that we're getting older and that we have some days that are easy days where we'll look for everything to be accessible. So it might be a walk where there's no stairs, no effort, no bumping his wheelchair up, you know, a couple of stairs just to make it accessible for his day. Um, so I guess we probably have one day where it's more active, one day where it's less active. But when I say that, we'd still use a beach wheelchair, say at Four Mile Beach or something like that and wouldn't consider that particularly well, my husband probably does because he's the one doing the pushing. But um, <laughs> that would be an easier day for us. But um, Brendan needs help with all his daily living needs. So we need to actually facilitate feeding him and assisting him with feeding, drinking, changing, or you know, all that kind of thing, going to the bathroom, all his personal care. So I guess time is what we always need. Like we, we pack in a lot every day, but it definitely, you know, requires time and we find accommodation is very challenging to find uh, accommodation that suits our needs. So we don't necessarily need like the shower bench, Braden prefers a bath, but actually getting somewhere that's step free, you know, to make it easier is always a challenge for us. So, but as you say, cerebral palsy is a big, umbrella and somebody recently that I met in America that had built the most successful theme park in the world was saying to me that he sees disability as a fingerprint. You might have the same fingerprint, like we all have a fingerprint, but our fingerprints are all different and he sees diagnosis as exactly the same. Um, Where, Where is this place? It's in San Antonio, Texas. Oh, cool. What's it called? And have you been there? Yes. And is it the most accessible place? It is. It's called Morgan's what? Morgan's Wonderland and it's been built by a dad who's quite the entrepreneur who has a daughter who lives with a disability. She has intellectual and, and various other disabilities and he wanted all 25 rides in the park to be accessible but he then built a water park and it has pneumatic wheelchairs. So if you're a power wheelchair, you can, <gasps> you can still go in the water park and use these pneumatic wheelchairs that were specially designed by a university in the East Coast and it's the only place that has them. Um, but he has lateral supports. He has just every support you could imagine to mean that. So you can go on a water slide? No, not water slide. It's like a splash park. But you can go okay, right. in a splash yep. park in your power wheel, like in yep. one of their power Oh, yep, got it. Yep. yep. You've got a daughter and, and I'm, I'm gathering from the conversation she's able-bodied. Yes. I've got a brother and I'm a mum now and I'd love to ask about how she's handled having a, a brother with a, you know, obviously a severe disability that needs so much care? So I think over the years, she there's seven years of age gap between the two of them. And so by the time Millie came along, Braden was at school. So I could devote my time to her and her activities, which was really nice. And then once she was at school, I'd give her PJ days at home where I could play games with her and do things. But there's no denying the fact that there is a total imbalance of Mm -hmm. um, attention Mm -hmm. and so we've done girls trips away I've taken her to Disneyland in New York on a trip we've gone just up to Noosa different times so tried all the way along to do different things and I think as she's got older she's understood why there's the imbalance but they've always adored each other I've been very very fortunate that they've had a very close bond all the way along 
which I, I just don't think we talk about it enough, do we, no. about the yes. effects that it can have on siblings? Siblings of yeah, kids with disabilities no. or people with disabilities, yeah. For sure. And it, and it does affect, you know, friends on a Friday afternoon would be having get-togethers and I'd have to get home because Braden's bus would be arriving and, you know, he couldn't, even when he was a teenager, he couldn't just arrive home and no one be home and it's the same now. Yeah. I have to be home by 4 o'clock because he can't be at home by himself and needs somebody to be there to look after his needs. So, yeah, things don't change in that respect for us just because of his level of disability. But Amelia's now doing social work at university and she's uh, doing support work as her casual job. So, Aww. Yeah, I love that. What advice would you give other mums out there that obviously have kids with disabilities in regards to not just raising them but just obviously your son has a very full life. Yes. How do we, what, what would you say? I think it's really important to start local with what you do. So whether that's whatever is outside of your comfort zone, start and do it quite um, in the easiest way possible to make it a success because I think if you can keep building on success, you build your confidence. So mm-hmm. I always say to people, if you're organising a day out with friends and your child's the only one that is disabled, organise it at a playground that is an accessible playground where you know your child will be able to be included. And so start very, very small. We didn't start with trips to America and we didn't start with quad biking and jet skiing or anything like that. That's all just come with confidence over time and it definitely helps to have supportive people around you. And having friends that you do let into your world, I think, not just sort of feeling like they're not going to understand and they're not in the same situation. You sort of need to give them a bit of an insight into your situation and hopefully the good ones will give you support back. So I think that's just, you know, if you're choosing that playground, explain why you're choosing that playground because it's tough as a parent And for the child who is disabled, if everyone else runs off, they can't participate. You know, you want your child to be included in everything, whether they're able-bodied or have a disability. You don't want them missing out. So I think that's really important. I always think travel is about trying new things and packing in lots of different experiences. So a day that included cuddling a koala at Rainforest Station throwing a boomerang, having lunch, um, buffet lunch at Rainforest Station, then followed by mustering cattle in a buggy and ATVs with dinner on the farm, kind of ticks that box. Cairns and surrounding areas really do have such a great variety. And I guess that's what keeps us coming back again and again, the fact that we can keep trying new things and um, enjoying the tropics. I'll just bring it back to the Queensland trip. You mentioned the challenges you've had in the past with accessibility and accommodation. How was the accessibility during your time? We had good accessibility. I'd say the only downfall for us was accommodation. It was very hard to find accommodation that suited our needs and even with the accommodation we did find there was an accessible apartment that joined into another apartment so the four of us were catered for but there was sort of like a a probably an eight centimetre step up into the accommodation and there was no accessible parking which is a challenge obviously and just getting Braden in and out we were fortunate to have a van that did have a sliding door but if we'd actually had to open a door and for one person to facilitate transferring him into a wheelchair that would be impossible in the in a regular 
car parking spot. So there's definitely always challenges, but we try and pride ourselves on finding ways around them and doing our best when we're there. Do you wish they told you about the eight centimetre step and then and the no wheelchair parking? I always say to people, show me your accessibility. Don't tell me whether you're wheelchair friendly, which is a word I'm not very big mm-hmm. fan of because what does that mean? You know, we welcome wheelchairs. We say hi when you get here. You, know, <laughs> yeah. you just can't get out of your car. Exactly. Yeah. So I always say to people, if you show me, so we've taken Braden to the top of the luge in Queenstown, for example, and we've bumped his wheelchair up. Me too. Yeah, big part of it. And then I've had to bump it all the way back down to take him, you know, but they were very honest with what the challenges would be. They told us if you can prove to us that you can break, he can be on it. So it's all that showing us what, what the access is like and we can then decide whether we can do it or not. Um, can you go back there again? Oh, always. Yeah. For sure. It's a destination that's got so many things. Like I just was very frustrated by the end because I was like, oh, I still wanted to do this. And we actually extended the trip um, and we had extra mm-hmm. time and we went further south to Mission Beach yep. and we oh, did some beautiful things down I there. I love Mission Beach. Yeah, it's gorgeous, isn't it? Did, did you walk along the Esplanade at Cairns? Were you right in Cairns at one stage or no? No, but we've stayed in Cairns no. before and walked along the Esplanade. Yeah. Is that accessible? Because I know there's a healthy, the Spinal Life Healthy Living Centre there somewhere. Yeah, it's accessible. Some of it's boardwalk, which Brent's not a big fan of the None of us are. So we just go on the inner path for that. But, yeah, no, I mean, it's lovely and flat and it's such a vibey area. There's so much happening in the evenings and, you know, with the pool there and everything it's great the question we have to finish up for uh, and thanks so much again julie for coming on the, the question we ask everyone at the end of the each episode is if there was something you could change about travel to make it more accessible uh what would that be i would have everyone sharing far more information and photos so i think if we're going to move forward in accessibility that's what we need is to have that and we need it to be front and center on the home page of every website not hidden under frequently asked questions where it's really hard to find we just need to have them all roll out a welcome mat and show us as soon as we go onto their website what their accessibility is like bang i'd like a beach wheelchair welcome mat everywhere i go <laughs> from now on we'll work on that <laughs> I shall include that in my advocacy for you. (laughs) Thank you. Well, thank you very much for everything you do. And as a daughter, I want to thank you for being the mum that you are to your beautiful children. Oh, thanks so much. Thanks, Julie. Thank you for listening to Access That, presented by Queensland. We'll be back again soon with more from the people who have been there and accessed that. In the meantime, head over to queensland.com for more on accessible travel. (laughs) 